This is a Stand Up New York Labs production, providing you podcasts since 2013. John P. What a guy, yeah, you know he's super fly. He's serving up blind justice, just tell it to his good eye. Kevin Hurley, not the one you want to rip on, but don't be afraid, the man bun is just a clip-on. Pass the podcast, stand up, you dork. Pass the podcast, stand up, New York. York, York, York. Recorded live from the podcast studios above Stand Up New York. Welcome to the podcast, welcome to Pass. My name is John B., and I'm joined by my co-host, Kevin Hurley. A special episode of Pass 2. Oh, too. wow. Guys, Very exciting one. We're doing this in post right now. Yeah. Um, and I have to say, I... I am. I'm emotional. I'm yeah. emotional of how great that uh, this this episode is. Yeah. Um, ladies and gentlemen, uh, if you're looking at the description, ladies, and, uh, we have the wonderful Artie Lang on our so show. So funny, so good, oh, man. so interesting. I'm still like kind life of, lessons. <laughs> yeah, I'm still kind of processing it all yeah. right now. He's about to hit the stage downstairs. We're recording this on a Wednesday. Yeah. He's about to do an hour. Um, if you guys don't know Artie uh, Lang, famous comedian, legendary comedian. Um, you know, had a little brush with the law, a couple brushes with the law, but he's on the straight and narrow yeah. right now. And this last one was a big one. Yes, and uh, he is actually on his way now to uh, his comeback. Uh, yep. We call this the comeback show. Yeah. And I'll be honest, this is a comeback for us because we've been off the air. We've been off. Yep. So if you listen to our podcast, we've been off the air for a while, and now we're going to start getting back into it. And we, you might notice we're going to have some big names, uh, yep. hopefully, on this. Uh, uh, if you've never listened to this podcast because you're an Ari Lang fan and you just clicked on this, uh, well, this is called Pass the Podcast. It's for up-and-coming comics. It's for people who love comedy. It's about how to level up in comedy. Not only how to level up, but how to get past at comedy clubs and how to be that person. And how amazing that we got some great stories from Artie, which you'll hear later on in the episode, about kind of coming up in the 90s and yeah. his kind of thoughts about what the com- how comedy is today. It's very interesting because, um, you know, when we look at somebody like Artie uh, yeah, as a storyteller, he is one of those last comics. Mm-hmm. Um, there are those, and I'll even put like a Nick DiPaolo in this, and I know, and Kevin, you can listen back to previous episodes that Nick, uh, Nick DiPaolo has been very polarizing, but Artie has the comeback kid. He is the underdog story because of the stuff that he's been going through, right. and it's amazing to hear that in this kind of, this this the sage of wisdom um, to uh, uh, to our to our community, um, and it's a nice beacon to listen to. Um, you may not necessarily you may maybe listen to this podcast and you're more of a um, you know uh, more of a liberal comic, right. um, but I will say that uh, you know nothing is you can't deny that Artie is. Has, has has taken this business to a different level. He is a comedian that has done sketch comedy. He has gone on to movies, starring in, featuring in his movies, to starring in movies, and obviously a fall from grace. Yeah. So uh, he's run the gambit. And also comedically, probably, I don't want to use this word lightly, but kind of a genius as a comic. His mind works so quickly and so fast, which is why he's still such a great storyteller. Mm-hmm. Which is why even on drugs he could, you know, tell these stories and be this kind of quick, Honestly, fast person. I mean, a lot of times people do drugs to slow their mind down sure. because there's too much thought and there's too much sure. this, you know. I mean, Kevin, like uh, I, I mean, I alluded to it in the podcast. We, uh, I've been listening to Artie for a long time. Long I mean, time. when I was listening to Artie, and uh, he corrects me on a couple of things, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I will say that I've been listening to Artie for a long time and having him right there, feet like inches away from me. <laughs> 
uh, and talking in the same dialect, in the same tone that I used to hear, you know, on my drive home, yeah. you know, from college or listening. It was unbelievable to see the same guy that I used to get high in high school and watch <laughs> Dirty Work and the Norm Macdonald scene where he's still fucking, where everybody shoots each other and he starts fucking throwing, still throwing fish. It's one of the funniest things. And I, I it's, it's, I, I don't have these moments a lot. Yeah. You know, and I, I don't know. There's a lot of, there's a little bit, uh, I'm a fan still. Right. Um, and I'm of in a course. position of power, but there are these things that just are so cool. And this was amazing. We'll send up some pictures. There's this great shot of me, uh, <laughs> so, like sitting down after it and just like absorbing it all in because it's been a very emotional kind of couple of weeks for me. Yeah. We've been off the air for a little while. Uh, just so, uh, everyone knows uh, John actually got in a, in a little car accident yeah. a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, pretty bad fender bender. Uh, that night he seemed perfectly fine. And if you've ever been in a car accident, you know, you wake up the next day and you're like, okay, uh, this fucking hurts. <laughs> and kind of happened to John a little bit, but yeah, you do get into it a little more. I don't want to spoil it. But no, no, we do get into a little bit more, but it's you. been an emotional couple of weeks for me. I mean, listen, I know there are some people that are listening to this and being like, oh, you got into a fucking car accident? Whoop-de-doo. Right. Um, I've been dealing with a level of anxiety and depression that I haven't really dictated myself that I've been pretty good at masking, and it's really come to surface after the car accident. A lot of things happened um, this week, uh, that this, this last couple of months, I went, came back well, you, from vacation. You went to a huge one-month vacation. Yeah. You were in the Philippines. Yep. You were in, where I was, were you? I was in Philippines. I was in China. But more Just of Just fucking th- miserable. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I, I kind of was. It I was, was excited to hear these I great know. stories. And he was like, oh, it was, it was, so it was all right. You know, and anybody that's listened to this podcast as a, you know, like I, there was a little bit of me, uh, if you asked me a year ago that I couldn't relate and I hear about this anxiety and I hear about yeah. this, uh, uh, this, this depression and I couldn't understand what it was all about. It's, it really came full surface, um, in the last couple of weeks. Um, obviously the car accident, but before that, the good friend of our, mine, uh, Carl Weiss passed away, uh, mm. the, the chef, uh, for La Cubana. And that was a big blow because he was a young guy and uh, I was just talking to him. Um, but yeah, I, uh, everything just bubbles up and yeah. I know that happens to a lot of comics out there and it was nice and it's nice to hear a story like Artie yeah. to kind of go back and listen and be like, Wow, like, you know, just to, to, to kind of pull yourself up uh, like that. Um, and obviously he's got this Damocles sword kind of hovering over him yeah. uh, with jail. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's nice to hear those stories and it is uplifting. Yeah. So uh, it's a great listen, guys. You know, it also has been a pretty rough summer. We want to shout out to Mike Brooks's family. Mike Brooks was a comedian, a regular here at Stand Up New York who unfortunately died. Uh, also of a heart attack, him and Carlos Ruiz uh, yeah. in the same Mike month. Brooks. Yeah, um, Kev. just a great comic, great friend of mine, and uh, I, you know, hope to do a, a show for him to raise yeah. some money for his family. Absolutely. Um, who's been dealing? His wife. His wife has been so good, so just uplifting, and like smile on her face, and she wrote. She keeps writing these Facebook posts that make me smile, and so you know, it's been a, it's been a great. Tough summer. Yeah. <laughs> a uh, weird-ass summer it has for a been. lot of people. And we've got a lot of different things that are coming up through the pipeline, guys. Some, a lot of great stuff. Follow us at Pass the Podcast on Instagram, Pass Podcast on Twitter. Uh, we're back, guys, uh, and a lot of cool things. But moreover than that, I want you to check out Comedy Mob. Uh, uh, Kevin, congratulations <laughs> on the promotion <laughs> to new talent director here it. at Stand yeah. Up New York. Well done, so, sir. So uh, they have graciously, Stand Up New York, uh, given us, uh, me and George Van Arthos, the title of co 
uh, director of new talent, um, and um, and we're super excited about it. Uh, it's something we've been doing for a long time, trying to develop new talent at this club, and we've been kind of putting other comics ahead of ourselves a, a little bit, maybe a little bit too much on my end, but we have been, and we're trying really hard. And so this summer, uh, the Booker started to change at this club. Uh, the book of this club, Candy, she went to New York Comedy Club. Um, and when that happened, uh, John needed help kind of, you know, helping with book and Don't new talent. Don't throw me under the bus on no, this no, no, one. No, no, you didn't do the <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying you needed help, all right? And, oh, and so yeah, you, I needed you help. came to us and asked for help, yep. and, and we tried our hardest this summer, not thinking that we would get uh, this kind of big title and this big promotion sure. and stuff, but... Uh, when you brought it up to us, we were like overwhelmed. And the reason I don't think we were expecting it was because there's not a lot of like directors of new talent, quote unquote, or, you know, bookers who are also comics. But then again, who's the best person to do that than a person sure. like me who's out every night and seeing new people? And, you know, we kind of showed him over the last two years yeah. that we've been bringing in as much new talent as we can, including we mentioned Artie. Uh, the first winner of the Comedy Mob Festival, Jay Jordan. Uh, congratulations to him because on Tuesday he's filming uh, uh, Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, so uh, congratulations, so that's freaking Jay. awesome. So we're he, so yo, he's been on this podcast a hundred times. Hundreds of times. <laughs> like, look of at times. look his stuff up. He's getting his first TV credit, so we're super excited for him. And a lot of our comics are doing really big things, and couldn't be more excited. We are so excited. Uh, congratulations to you, Kevin and George. Obviously, a lot of new developments here happening at Stand Up. I gotta admit, I am getting all tired of the emails already from. Uh, yeah. These amateur comics. It is tough, but you know what? <laughs> right when, when you, I found out, it was... When you talk Jesus. about selfless uh, <laughs> selfless comics, uh, you guys are great, and you are thank really... You, I you. mean, I wouldn't have been able to see people like Jay Jordan, John Marco Ceresi, uh, you know... The uh, new winner of the festival. Well, we, we've been doing the summer festival. We had nine weeks of the Comedy Mob sure, Festival, and sure, the winner is sure, sure. Jason Choi. Jason Choi. Came up big. Emily Walsh. I wouldn't have been able to see these great comics if it wasn't for Comedy Mob and the great things that they're doing over there. So definitely check them out, uh, guys, on social media follow me at b-o-r-e-a-m-a-y-o that's borromeo guys um, follow I, me at kevin abridged yeah. on all platforms he doesn't post much i post a lot so you want to probably <laughs> I follow post a lot me. on instagram kind of uh but yeah we definitely want to get those follows up there we want to thank our fantastic sponsor new belgium uh just rocking it uh i had a couple new belgiums this summer i will say i am sober right now um but i'm not doing sober october i am doing something um i am kind of on this medicine now to level myself out and I'm trying to give it 30 to 60 days um, but uh, sober after car crash yeah <laughs> so I, I will essentially and listen just FYI it was not my fault um, I was actually hit by a drunk driver um, so I was not drunk at the time uh, but it did give me realizing a couple of things yeah. but other than that guys uh, if uh, you know our, our our great friends over at New Belgium uh, make sure that you drink responsibly um, but they've got great flavors the uh, the Voodoo Ranger is always great I'm actually I'm craving the Voodoo Ranger but yeah. not too much um, but the wheat <laughs> um, and obviously the fat tire. fat tire fat tire baby all the way America's craft beer icon I know they really are and a big thanks to our friends over at Laugh Pass. Uh, if you are a Laugh Pass member, you would have known about Artie Lang at least 72 hours and you before would be show. downstairs right now yes, about you would be. to watch Artie Lang. Yeah, exactly. And we've got some great new things over here. And you know what? I don't care. I don't care if I'm not allowed to announce it. I'm going to announce it right now. <gasps> Guess what, guys? On Tuesday at 10 p.m., the surprise special guest is Michael Rappaport. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to say it. Fuck it. You guys get to know as well. All of our Laugh Pass members know already. But guys, get your tickets right now if you want or buy a Laugh Pass and you can get 
get in for free, and you get a drink for free, and you could bring your friend for free. And it's getlaughpass.com. It's only $100 for the whole year. See a show every day. Guys, we've missed you way so much, and uh, without further ado, we're going to bring you into, by far, the mo- one of my, this is one of... This is uh, this is one of my most favorite uh, episodes ever. This is oh, this, this is, is by far your best. This also, is, I know I know you hate it when I come in. Uh, I know it. I know it. I know it. But those are some good fucking questions, man. You we were on fire today. I was. I was. <laughs> I'm second mic in it, just going. Ha-ha. <laughs> That's right, buddy. <laughs> some clarity uh, through the fog. Uh, but ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, our interview with Artie Lang. Hey guys, uh, this is one of the bigger moments that we've had on this podcast. And, uh, I was I'm, coming uh, in. <laughs> We're excited. I, uh, I'll be honest, uh, I've been listening to this guy for years. I mean, on the Stern Show, uh, even on ONA. I mean, dirty work. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, uh, without further ado, the, le- the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Artie Lang on the uh, show up, today. Guys. Very exciting. Listen, well, uh, just a quick correction. I was never on ONA. I was on O and I was on A. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I've never been on ONA together. Ah, that's true. That's true. Uh, I was on Opie's show, uh, and I have no problem with Opie. I love Opie. Anthony, I love as a friend. Uh-huh. And Jimmy Norton show. So I was on J too. I was on <laughs> O A and J. Oh wow. So uh, and O and J for a while. Yes, I remember that. <laughs> and on OJ once he was. Uh, Cutting a woman's head off, and I got on top of him. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, so uh, yeah, but I love all those guys. Well, Artie, thank you so much for being here. Uh, Absolutely. Congratulations. Welcome back. Yeah. We're so excited to fucking have you, man. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, you, for you younger guys to uh, welcome me like that, it, it means a lot to me because, like I said, uh, uh, being uh, above stand up New York, um, uh, with the history I have here, I was just talking to the owner. And uh, telling him, you know, he's had this place 11 years. Uh, the last the last sort of big thing I did here was probably about seven or eight years ago. A Stern fan who lives right next door in his high rise <laughs> hired me to do stand up at a surprise party for his father's 60th birthday. They paid what? me 55 grand. Holy <laughs> shit. Yeah, 55 grand. And I uh, I had to do 40 minutes of stand up and just, you know, when you do these private shows or like a corporate gig, like they'll tell you. Oh, uh, my, uh, you got to make fun of the, the, the board of directors. He can't yeah, golf. Yeah, he's yeah. bald. <laughs> so you're bombing and just go, at least I suck, but I don't suck as bad as Ed's golf game. And I get to <laughs> so uh, that's what I did here. The last sort of big uh, sort of night I had here money-wise, I made 55 Gs here in one night doing Jeez. stand-up for a, a Stern fan, a Holy private party. Shit. But I started here. I became a re- The first club I was ever a regular at was the Comic Strip in 1992. And then 93, uh-huh. like about a month later, I became a regular here in 1993. How did that transition happen? Because you're you were Jersey based first. Is yeah, that- well, I'm I, I'm Jersey, but I'm I'm North Jersey. I grew up right. I live in Hoboken right. now, which is basically a part of New York City. Sure. I, All I, the uppies uh, are over there. Yeah. Right? Oh my God, it's crazy. Oh yeah. All my fucking jerk off. Uh, the people uh, who live in my building are all just yuppies from Indiana on Wall Street. It used to be mafia guys. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, Jimmy No Neck. <laughs> and now it's uh, you know uh, so Biff you- Biff and Chad. <laughs> Did you get started in stand-up in North Jersey? Or did yeah, you I, well, the first time I ever did stand-up was July the 12th, 1987. I was mm-hmm. 19 years old at the Improv, the first club ever in Hell's Kitchen, <laughs> uh, 9th and 44th, which has now become a gay kitchen. Hell's uh, Kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all kitchens eventually become gay. And uh, Hell's Kitchen is no exception. So, I, uh, yeah, I did, um, uh, I did stand-up on 9th and 44th at the Improv for the first time there. I bombed. 
And then I did stand-up in Garwood, New Jersey at a club. In the 80s, the comedy boom was so crazy that they had sports bars that had comedy nights. Hmm. So it wasn't even a... It, like, like, not only was I bombing at this gig, I was just annoying people. <laughs> I was doing the direct opposite of entertaining them. Sure, sure, yeah, sure. They were trying to watch a Met Philly game, and yeah. I couldn't get their attention <laughs> away. Uh, and then I didn't do it for like three years because I was scared. I went to uh, some acting school in the village at HB Studio in Greenwich Village. Got a little more comfortable on stage. Then at 22, I went to the bitter end on Bleecker Street. Yeah, yeah. And I did stand up there. They had a radio contest. Uh, Ten people um, uh, entered. And this was probably, this by now it's 1990. And I was 22. And I, uh, I, I got six out of 10. So I remember driving home that night going, four people suck worse at this thing. <laughs> so that was a little encouraging. And then, and then I came into the, you know, into the scene in the early 90s. So how's that fold over there? I mean, like, you're getting past. I mean, are you, because, like, when we're passing comics here, we're looking at credits. You know right. what I mean? Do you have your Fallon credit? Do you got your Colbert credit? What's right. it back then? I mean. Well, it's just, it's if you're funny on stage. Sure. I, mean, that, that, that's, I mean, that's important now, obviously, because it's all about social media, who, who follows you. You know, Back in my day, you know, I'm a criminal, so it was bad to have people following you. <laughs> you don't want follow. My father was a criminal and died in 1990. If I told my father 400,000 people are following me, he would go, "My God, you got to get the fuck out of the country." <laughs> <laughs> Would you piss off the cops and the crooks? Yeah. How are 400,000 people following? Because <laughs> I hear these stories about like Lucius over at the comic strip. Lucian. Yeah. Lucian. Lucian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he would sit there and he'd be like, well, that wasn't that good. And no, then... he, he, would, he would say stuff like this. The first time I tried to pass at the comic strip, Lucian pulls me in the back and this little, like, he would watch from a, he was like the Wizard of Oz. Right. He would like look in this little booth and he would watch you on stage <laughs> in this little like old 80s television set. And he would go, well, listen, I, you know, I have... Uh, I have an Italian guy who's with a weight problem from Jersey. What, what do I need you for? And I'm like, I don't know. What, is, what does he do? Does he build your decks for you? What do, you <laughs> do you want me to vulcanize the fucking living room? What do you want? Or sheetrock the bathroom? I'm here to do stand up. And he goes, No, I have a guy. He was big on types. Uh -huh. He goes, I, I have a, you know, I, I have a. I have a blue collar Italian guy. Sure. What's special about you? And, and he was tough, but, but I. Uh, but, you know, I, I respect him because you had to be good to work that club. It's like the way Esty runs the cellar. Sure. You know, it, it's, it's it, of course, everybody likes someone with credits and who has a name. But the integrity of, like, look, are you funny on stage? A lot of these kids, you know, again, I, my finger has never been on the pulse of what America's going to like. Uh -huh. I remember the first time I saw Survivor, I said, this is the shittiest show of all time. <laughs> yeah. It's going to last for two seconds. And uh, I was in Columbus, Ohio with the Funny Bone in uh, the mid-90s at some point. So I see um, the, the Larry the Cable Guy used to be named Daniel Whitney. Yeah, was I name. remember this. Okay. Yeah. So, so I knew him as Daniel Whitney. I never met him, but I knew of him as a comic. And I thought the picture, the first picture I saw at the Columbus, Ohio Funny Bone, I was about to go on stage, have pictures of the comics. I saw Whitney in the Larry the Cable Guy. I thought he was at a Halloween party. I'm like, <laughs> why is he dressed up like a cable guy? Right. And they go, that's his new character, Larry the Cable Guy. I said, oh my God, I almost wanted to call him. I go, that's the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. Sure. He's going to fucking die broke. He, not, <laughs> he currently has a gym, a basketball court in his house. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, from get her done. I mean, it, the, the infamously, DePaulo at the roast was like being like, "How the <laughs> fuck are you so famous?" <laughs> my, my favorite thing, my favorite thing ever was uh, my favorite joke about that roast was uh, Jeff Ross said, uh, "Larry the Cable Guy was a character that worked." You know, a character that didn't work. Damn the comedian. <laughs> 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 uh, 
but listen, you know, and again, I'm not here. Do I respect this comedy? No. But do I respect him, <laughs> do I respect him as a businessman? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I you know, uh, I, a lot of cocaine and heroin and hookers and gambling. Yeah. I, I'm the kind of gambler who bets on the Jets. That's why, you know. Hey. Uh, hey. Guy, hey. Right, there you go. Well, right, Come on. Right. Well, you yeah, won this, this week. This, this week. week. <laughs> I used to do an old joke where um, I said my, my uncle was a degenerate gambler and he pulled me aside once. He said, Artie, you know, when I was a kid, I was into the Jets. And then I got older and I got into girls. And then I got back into the Jets because I realized there's times when a girl won't fuck you, but the Jets will always fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, used to, I actually have put that, and I, I've quoted you in my Facebook <laughs> after every playoff game. There you go, yeah. yeah. And it's, 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 it's just Are like, you a Jet fan? I'm not. I'm oh, not okay. a football fan. I just like busting balls. No one balls. really is. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> no, but, uh, busting balls is a better fan of you. <laughs> um, no, but, I'm saying, you know, so, so there's two different types of comedians. There's two different types of everybody. There's ones that, you know, you want to call them an artist, you want to call them someone. Like, in the old days, to answer your original question, question is i think people like lucian and 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 sd and uh, they just were are you good on stage mm -hmm. i don't care right. if no one knows who you are can you be funny in a unique original way a smart way a different way on stage and we'll go from there well how yeah. often did lucian say no to you before you finally got past the strip it took me two years two years wow. it took me but how, five years to how pass many the no's seller. did you get from him uh like auditions in front of him that he uh, sat you down and was like not well, yet. yeah, it's I have no nose now, so <laughs> I, 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 I probably about eleven times he said no. Eleven. Eleven times, yeah. Wow. Uh, and it, what what made you feel like you know what I could keep doing this? You know, I'm I'm really good. Uh, he's gonna pass me eventually. How do I? Well, I what goes I through your head? in my heart of hearts, I knew he was right. I wasn't ready, right. but in that eleven nose, two years had passed, and I had gotten a lot better. You know, my advice to young comics is just get the only way to get better at stand up. The only way is to keep getting on stage. Yeah, right. you, it's one of those art forms, if you want to call it that, or skills, if you want to call it that, abilities. Where the only way to get better is to keep doing it in front of an audience. There's no way you can't like a lot of these kids get famous because they light themselves on fire and they run with their nutsack out on YouTube <laughs> yeah. and yeah. they get a million followers and some asshole in the Midwest books them because yeah. they got all these followers. They sell out, then yeah. they get on stage and they're like, what am I gonna do? Light myself on fire? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it's like uh, Daffy Duck. I can only do it once. Right. Yeah. Are you uh, back yeah. to that though? I mean, like, listen, you're talking about this comeback, and listen, I've seen your Twitter and you're taking. Lo local bookings. I mean, you're hitting yeah. Cellar Up. You hit right. the Stand Up. You hit Art Club tonight. You're hitting up... Uh, have you hit the Strip yet? I mean, you're doing yeah. Jersey and Atlantic City. Are you back in it? Are well, you I plan on doing the Strip because I love Richie and I, I love this club, so that's why I'm here. Uh, yeah, I, you know, the great thing about Stand Up Comedy is I don't care how big you get, you got to respect it. You got to respect it. You know, and obviously it's all about the comedy seller, so we'll, you know, we all go back there because that's our holy grail. Sure. But in a lot of ways, this club is is for me too, and I'm loyal to places like this. How many times did Stand Up New York say no to you before they said uh, yes? Only about five or six. Oh, good, yeah. Compared, yeah. yeah. But I, but I was yeah. more, I was more ready. I came and I was with a, uh, I was trying every type of comedy, improv sketches. I was with a comedy group called Midnight Madness that did sketches. To, and the way I got around it was we passed as an improv group before I got to pass as a stand up, so mm. I would just open for the group and do five minutes sure. in front of a big crowd. You got to hustle. Right. You got to yeah. hustle. The hustle is, it's definitely out there. Um, and we talk a little bit about these young and up-and-coming comics. We have a favorite here on our show. His name is Jay Jordan. And uh -huh. Jay actually is a brand new comic. Two years, three years in, pretty much. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's, that's an infant, whether you know it or not. But, it's an and, infant, and then yeah. yesterday, he just announced he's got Fallon next God, Tuesday. That's next week. You know what I mean? And I love hearing stuff like that. It's it could happen story. quick, too. Sure, mm -hmm. sure, you know, sure. It could happen quick, So too. let's, let, let's kind of go to, go to something where, that you worked with, which was Crashing. Yeah. Which was in a great show, an amazing show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the question is, and the, the the backlash always in our community was, 
it's not accurate. Right, right. Was there any accuracies that you felt on Pete Holmes' character? Did you have a Pete Holmes that you kind of took underneath your uh, wing and said, fucking uh, sleep on my couch? I, 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 no, a lot of guys slept on my couch. I slept on a lot of other guys' couches. Absolutely, hmm. a lot of guys, even after we were uh, established. I'm really guy, excited uh, about the smoke of cigarettes. Yeah, go right studio. ahead. I'll do it too. <laughs> <laughs> Every cigarette well, you I don't smoke. I want to be left out. Come on. <laughs> every cigarette you smoke takes seven minutes off your life. And before the show tonight, I did some math, and I'll be dead at eleven thirty-eight. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I smoke a lot, but uh, no. And you th- can smoke on stage. This is like Johnny Carson in the seventies. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Dean fucking Martin. Yeah, take that. Uh, so, uh, okay, great question. Yes, the show was realistic because Judd came from the stand-up world, and so did Pete, um, and. The, the biggest accuracy is the barking thing about about being out there sure. on this corner, you yeah. know. I didn't do Which that on impossible here. Especially, especially yeah, that exact side. corner, yeah, right, by yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah that exact so corner on McDougal, I see fucking yeah. Right, every there's 50 time. guys. Yeah. Here because, you can't do it. Right, and the neighborhood's different. You know, you get yuppies walking their $11,000 dog. Right. You know, Michael Douglas and Catherine Zeta-Jones in an argument. Uh, <laughs> uh, or, or the great Howard Stern, or Rosie yeah. O'Donnell, yeah. Yeah. or Re- uh, Regis Philbin. Or Opie, Opie lives in the area too. Opie, Anthony... Ron, Fez, Bob, Bob Tom, uh, fuckhead and, and asswipe. Uh, you know, uh, but yeah, the, 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 it's very, very territorial. It's it's a neighborhood thing. So, but that aspect of Pete out there, it, it was cool that he kind of showed that aspect of trying to make it. That was very realistic about how you got to bark and and if you bring enough people, then you get stage time. Sure, <laughs> you know, and then the people show up and you're very nice on the corner, and then they realize they're paying eighteen dollars for a Coors Light <laughs> and they got to get two of them a piece. Ten, and, you know, ten here. Right. <laughs> Sorry, that's very true. I mean, I, I, you know, we we always saw those parallels, uh, and and I saw we saw a little bit of it and. But the comedy business thing. has changed so much since I started. Did That's you work I, for the Boston? I I, I, I I worked at the Boston, sure, yeah. you know. Uh, absolutely, we all did. But um, because of social media, because of everything else, it's insane how... And uh, uh, Louis C.K., probably a filthy rapist, but I... I, uh, <laughs> I but, but I, you know, I, I don't know for sure, but uh, the, the, the evidence is there. Uh, <laughs> You know, you know, but a lot of the good-looking comedians d- said that uh, good-looking female comedians that were victims of Louis uh, claim that um, Louis did not rape them because in the hotel room he got hard and came in like two seconds. They were hot, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but See. Whoopi Goldberg was missing for two weeks. <laughs> <Great. laughs> uh, so no, I'm kidding. But but I uh, know. So but but Louis uh, again, for all his flaws, a smart, talented motherfucker, original. And he said something that was great, like about about I feel bad for you, younger guys, with social media because you get seven minutes that you that's good shit. And and Louis was a big proponent, like a lot of us are. The only way to get better is to fail. You got to try new shit, sure. and yeah. you got to fail. You don't know if it's good or not. So if you get seven minutes that's killing on social media, you're so afraid someone's going to attack, oh, this joke sucked. And then instead of the 200 people in the room seeing it suck, then all these people see it suck. And you're afraid to try something new. So you guys got to be... More brave than we were in the old days. And I give you his credit. Hmm. So let's talk a little bit. I mean, because like one of my favorite bits that you have is about gambling. Right. How did that like? How do you how do you story tell that in your head? And if I mean like I mean listen, how much money do you have in your in your bank account? Right, two thousand. Bet four thousand dollars. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, yeah, it's it's again, it's addiction. It's it's um it's it's instant excitement. So, you know, it's funny the the, the, the 
Howard would complain at the end of my tenure at the Stern Show. He was like, Monday morning after the weekend, no one's asking about mine and Robin's weekend. They're asking about Artie's weekend. And the show gets taken over by my situation. And the reason for that is not that I'm more talented, of course, or smarter. The reason is I'm a huge fuck-up, and that's interesting <laughs> to people. So, as I, you know, just like Ray Romano mined the material from having kids, I mine it from my life, which is the sure. life of a junkie. I mean, Howard is a millionaire married to a model, a billionaire married to a model who has a cashew and some boiling water before he goes to bed at 8 mm. o'clock. Okay, he does some yoga, goes to sleep. Hmm. I'm an active junkie on the road in Cleveland trying to find heroin. <laughs> and I'm fucking hookers. Who are you going to ask about? <laughs> you know, so so when I gamble... Hey, Howard, how's that cashew? How was it? Yeah, exactly. What do you go to? You go to bed? In other words, part of the reason Howard and I worked was we were the odd couple. He's the most disciplined, responsible guy, two feet from the most undisciplined guy. Sure. But those stories are how I mine material. You know, a good comic will live life. It's almost a business model. You live a, That's how I write my books. Live a crazy life, tell a story about it. So the gambling, like your question, you can't help but remember when you lose double your net worth on a Virginia Tech game. <laughs> you know, you're going to remember that shit. And if you remember it in detail, people are going to be fascinated by it because they don't live that crazy, stupid life. Right, so, right, right. Yeah. So I, mean, I, I mine that from Ethereum. I mean, right now uh, I'm hearing a lot of you know one of this one, Esty's one of one of my favorite episodes was the first episode uh, of the last season where Esty kind of says, "Who are you? Right? Why are you here?" Mm. I see a lot of comics now. I saw a set the other day, and it was all observational. Yeah, yeah. is observational like I mean that doesn't really stand. Everything sounded like a monologue joke. Yeah, no, I I uh, I agree with you completely. It's got to be you know stand up should be dangerous. You know, there's very few. I mean, listen, Jerry Seinfeld brilliant guy but he, he never make me belly laugh the way Kinnison or Richard Pryor did but all that's like he's, he's talking he never curses talking you know whatever whatever floats your boat um, but you're exactly right sometimes stand up nowadays sounds like a lecture you know a TED talk yeah yeah, yeah. yeah right and I, something else Lucian told me I, that the comic should be told everybody this Chris Rock has a story about this he goes I need a laugh from you every 11 seconds so in the back of my head, that's all I'm thinking. So when I tell a story, or you're, you're, you're talking about the fact that the line was too long at LaGuardia, yeah, mm-hmm. or whatever the fuck you're talking about, your cat, you know, shit in the bed or something, you got that, that. I'm glad he said that because it puts pressure on you. I keep thinking, I need a laugh every 11 seconds. So you punch mm-hmm. up a story with jokes, and if something's just observational, it just sounds like a, a like a, like a nice talk. I mean, listen, guys are overpaying for beers. You gotta, you gotta make them laugh. Sure, you know? absolutely. So, so I, I agree with you, absolutely. I mean, we we, we get into this uh, this debate, obviously, because what is comedy? Um, Artie, you're coming in back into this industry now, and uh, I'm sure you've you've heard that there's this civil war almost between yeah. comedians and what is declared as able to be funny and yeah. what's not funny. Yeah. You had the pleasure of being on one of uh, uh, on a show that we that I listened to, Legion of Skanks with Louis right, J. Gomez. Right. Right, right. Obviously, they've been a big polarizing figure right. um, with Skankfest and their own <laughs> podcast in the last. In the Me Too movement, just to have something called Skank. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what do you? Th- I mean, everyone's. I, we had a, we had somebody that interviewed us a couple months ago, and they said, uh, you know, is uh, is is there a line to be funny? And I, I always say that. There's always been this kind of schism in our in our in our, in our industry. That yeah. there's always been sometimes that people are going to find something funny that you're not going to find right, funny as well. Right. It's it's very you know. But did objective. you were you are you able to were you able to take more chances back in the '90s than you are now? One thousand percent. Yes. That's another reason I feel bad for younger guys. Without question, the shit we did on the Howard Stern show, man. It, 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 I you know, there's thousands of hours, and I was on towards the second half of his legendary status. Right. Mm. For, 
forget it. You couldn't even pitch it. You couldn't pitch it in the room. You couldn't pitch it in the room. Uh, not even if something is racial or, or just like insulting to somebody. I remember, at, you know, I was on Mad TV for two years, and we did a mm. lot of we did a lot of um, uh, parodies of, of movies because that's what Mad Magazine was. So every week we'd have a, a meeting. What do you want to What do you want to pitch? And Tori Spelling had agreed to do the show. So I pitched a thing called the Tory Spelling Bee, where she'd have to spell the word nepotism and, <laughs> <laughs> and then use it in a sentence. Just look, And she looks at the camera and just goes, I like nepotism. And that's all she says. And she looks like a retard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, her manager got so upset, like, you know, that's offensive, blah, blah, blah. And you know what? We were going to do it anyway until I got arrested. We couldn't do it. But I, I uh, with someone on the show playing her. And that was balls because she had a lot. She was on 90210 at the time. We were on Fox. Now they just go, ooh, that might insult her, and she might, I don't sure. know, call a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know. Uh, That's slander, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, look, I, I've, I've caught shit on Twitter for the most retarded shit that, again, I have a cushion because I have a built-in audience through Stern. I just play Governors in Long Island, two sold-out shows. Beautiful. It, there's nothing I can't say. They can't get offended. Sure. They can't get offended. And I will keep making money. Younger guys got to walk that line. Eddie Murphy said it best. Uh, go, but if I sure it's on YouTube because every fucking else, else thing is. But um, Eddie Murphy, Barbara Walters said to Eddie Murphy in 1986 on national TV, she said, "Is anything offensive?" And he goes, "If it's funny, it's not. If something makes you laugh, there's no way it's offensive because you're laughing, even if it's about whatever group you're a part of or cause you have. If you're laughing, nothing's offensive." And that, to me, Eddie Murphy said it. That's the holy grail. So, so when you go to places like Governors and you're traveling and stuff. Um, do you bring your own openers? Do you bring... I is it more do. important for you to bring up younger guys? Or? Well, now, you know, with the probation I'm on, I'm on a thing called drug court. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't have a glass of wine is within 100 feet of me. I could do two years in jail now. Hmm. Uh, so I, I like I have guys in recovery, and AA, there's a lot of comics, thank God. There's yeah. no stigma attached to that. Um, uh, I, I, I like to... I, I'll take anybody... Uh, who's funny and it'll respect the rules that I have in my life right now. And I like, look, when you're on a road, you like to have friends with you. You like yeah. the bullshit. Yeah. You yeah. know, uh, Adam Sandler, uh, you know, perfected that whole thing of like, you know, kids he went to high school. <laughs> I remember <laughs> Norm MacDonald was wondering why he didn't get in a Sandler movie. And I said, well, you know what the new triple threat is in comedy? If you went to junior high, high school, and college with Sandler, <laughs> that's a triple threat. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Pete's doing the same thing right now, Pete Davidson. I mean, uh, yeah. like, it's all his boys uh, right, that are right, like, right. Yeah. Along well, listen, ride. as long as Pete gets on stage, and does an hour on the road and is funny and I'm confident he is and you don't disrespect the audience then whatever happens before is the party sure yeah. and if it keeps the headliner happy you know you got to keep your eye on the money I mean, what are you looking for I mean obviously you're a storyteller I mean listen you are one of the greatest storytellers oh, in, our, in our industry right now what uh, like are you looking for a storyteller are you looking for set punch are you looking for a feminist that, that, or are you just uh, looking for funny I want and anybody I want anybody with. who's got an original point of view and uh if you could do some good in the world at the same time, sure. You know, I'm someone who I uh, I root for everybody. I like underdogs. I uh, I'll make a joke about anything, but in my real life, I try to I try to treat everyone with respect. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I've never also a lot of you know headliners will say, "Don't do this, don't curse too much." I've never told my openers anything. I'm like, just be funny. I I, I like taking comics, I, and I have in the past. Uh, I've uh, Dave Attell has gone on before me. 
you know, DePaulo. Mm. Uh, 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 um, uh, you know, uh, people like Greer Barnes. The only way you can follow people that are that talented uh, are um, or, or Sarah. You know, uh, is because of that Stern crowd. I like people who are funnier than me going on first, or better than me, in my opinion, because it's a better show. In case I'm high and can't get on stage, <laughs> and, uh, and and it makes me better. You know, you, the better you are, you're better at tennis if you play with a better tennis. You player. sound like a mm. fucking unicorn in this industry right yeah, now because well. I hear the horror stories. I'll be like, hey, don't fucking be too funny. Yeah. Yeah. Out there, save yeah. the room. Be for funny. Me. Be funny. I want you to be funny. We're at, we're doing a comedy show. And so if, if you're better than me, then it's, it's like when Skinner opened up for Peter Frampton. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in the seventies, you're like, how you follow Freebird? So throw, I want to try to follow Freebird. Throw you know? your cards. Who do you like out there? Is there anybody in particular? That's younger you? guys. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm sad to say I've been in jail for so long. I don't know all the other <laughs> comedy comedy changes so quickly. Uh, you know, I, I, I you know you mentioned Pete. I love Pete. I love uh, you know it's also funny. I love Michael. Che yeah. uh, is, is unbelievable. I love how you're saying these guys, these younger guys, and like Che is like the lead but, but writer. Yeah, 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 I'm yeah. 52. <laughs> I'm 52. Che's a kid to me. When I see him, you know, uh, I, I, but I understand what you're saying. I, I'm, I'm sad to say I don't know a lot of the young, younger guys. Uh, Do you watch sets? I mean, are you, are you, I mean, listen. I try to, because I always, I would always, uh, I'll never forget, I was at this club and I got bumped for uh, Drew Carey and I sat in the back and I watched and... Um, and? and uh, no, no, I mean, listen, he, uh, he killed and everything. But uh, my favorite thing that happened with that was you want to know someone with some juice in the business is watching you because I like to I like to break people through. I like to help guys out. Sure. Yeah. So uh, you're giving tags in the bar area and being like... I, I, I try to. I try to, you know. But... Uh, my, uh, my wife's sister just got out of rehab and she's been texting me and calling me about like guys that were super funny in rehab. Yeah. Because they did like stand up comedy nights. Right. And stuff I, like I, that. I did a couple of that. They that, said they were the funniest a, people. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> because of the stories. Life Again, stories, the, the yeah. story, there's no, there, there's no, no one has stories. Like I'll tell a couple tonight on stage that, like we have. And if you add to the fact that I was a well known comedian, like again, heroin changed the game for me. Her heroin, I was a, I, my, my, I did time in LA County Jail. I've been in jail in Paris, France. <laughs> you know, I've been in jail in Miami. Uh, How beautiful uh, is that jail? It's actually a shit hole. Uh, it's like it's like the uh, uh, portage on at a Dolphins game. <laughs> but but uh, Paris, France. I was in a four thousand year old jail with a French guy. He goes Le Plume Le Mage. I'm like, get the fuck away from me. <laughs> uh, and uh, you know, so I, I've been in jail all over the place. And um, you, the, the stories you get are insane. I when I became a full blown junkie on heroin. And I was a well-known comedian, getting paid a hundred. I was getting a hundred grand a night, and I would uh, land in Cleveland. And now I'm dope sick. I'm in withdrawal. So I got to land in Cleveland. I got to if I'm not with a guy, I would take openers who I knew were junkies and would go get me drugs. Huh. That was a credit. I don't care if you're funny. Can you get me dope? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, uh, then I got to get in a cab and say to a cab driver in Pittsburgh who may recognize me, "Listen, yeah. I got an hour before I'm into withdrawals. Right. I got to be on stage at the theater." Yeah. Go, take me to the worst part of Pittsburgh and let's cop dope. And yeah. sometimes they'll bring me coke instead of heroin. I'm like, what am I gonna do with this? Wipe my ass? I, I need heroin. <laughs> and uh, the chaos just ensued. So in rehab, you know, you get that. So you're still, so you're writing in rehab. I mean, everything that All you're gonna time. be tonight. Tonight you're giving a, give, giving us an hour. You've been doing hours in governors. You've been yeah. doing twenties, fifteens over down at the cellar. Yeah. What do you? Where did you find this? I mean, were, were, when you were there in jail or you were there in that halfway, were you writing? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And the way I introduce new materials, you get some. Old 
old stuff that I know people love intertwined sure. with the new shit, new stories. That sandwich uh, that everyone yeah, talks yeah, yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, Because you got to yeah. keep yeah. them laughing, you know. How much of this new stuff? This stuff is in your, your uh, did, did, tonight. Show? Probably at least seventy percent of what you'll see is yeah, what I call yeah. what I call new. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's, that, that's unbelievable. It's so incredible, Artie. I gotta have to ask a question. We talk about uh, you know the last you know great moment that you had here. I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, crashing. Right. Um, okay. This uh, the, the episode that we filmed here at the club. Right. You had come on set. <laughs> yeah, that was my last day ever on set. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and uh, you came on set, and then uh, you got wrapped on. Yeah, I, I went to the makeup chair. The make the hair and makeup people. I can't tell you how wonderful those hair and makeup people were on Crashing. I did basically three years, and I was on a lot. Pete and Judd were so nice to me. The writers, my, the two writers were uh, Mike Lawrence and uh, my good friend Greg Fitzsimmons at the yep. time. Mm -hmm. So I go to the makeup chair and my nose is bleeding. I was so uh, I was so unaware of how I looked even yeah. because you're high all the time, and I've been snorting drugs and and I my nose was bleeding and I had like a I had a divot in my nose and um it wouldn't stop bleeding. So the hair and makeup people couldn't touch it up. And my my appearance had had drastically changed in the last two weeks, and there's continuity, like you know. Sure, yeah. I had to talk to Pete at the bar, and we improved a lot of the show, and so of course you know the, the texting goes, and they, they were so sweet. They were probably look, we're scared for Artie. He needs help. We, he may die. That's how messed up I was. So Judd found out, and slowly but surely, you could tell. This has happened to me before, you know, in every job I've had from Mad Devita Stern, the day I leave. <laughs> the day the plane hits the fucking mountain. Uh, everybody was like, you know, delays happen, delays happen. And they said, we're not going to do the show. We got to rewrite it. They made up an excuse. And I was like, okay, I get to go home and do drugs. It's great. But um, I walked into the club here and I'm looking around. I'm talking to everybody. I talked to the director. And they they all, in hindsight now, thinking back, they were horrified because I looked like I just walked out from living under a bridge for a year. And mm -hmm. I'm about to shoot an HBO show. So uh, that happened here. My last day on the set ever of Crashing was, was Stand Up New York. Yeah. And what was the, uh, what, I mean, uh, in general, though, I mean, you're feeling good. And which is uh, eight and a half months clean. Fuck yeah! Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. That that's a miracle. I uh, mean, listen, uh, Artie, uh, you're doing awesome stuff. The the the, the movie quotes that you're doing, yeah, the health I'm thing. Try, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I try to fuck around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's good stuff. <laughs> it's good stuff. Thank you. Um, I mean, what what's, I mean, what's different from this time than it was from the last? Well, time? Uh, the thing I'd say normally now is consequences. I'm looking at prison time. I've been going to jail since the '80s. First time I went to county jail. It was 1987. I went to juvenile. Uh, the first, I got arrested for attempted bank robbery Jesus. when I was 17. <laughs> uh, I, I grew up crazy. And um, now I'm looking at I'm 52 years old. I'm looking at prison time if I fuck up. So I'd like to say there's some sort of real magnanimous reason why. But one day at a time, I, I'm just I, I have a great sponsor, which never happened. Hmm. I have a sponsor who has a sponsor. So there's a whole support network. I'm surrounding myself with just people in recovery. That's a big deal. What's different is I don't want to go to prison. Yeah. You know, that, that, that's, I mean, your, I, 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 I've, I've done do enough comedy? jail time. <laughs> At times, my sponsor will come out. I'm yeah. Gonna, yeah, he's, he's got six years clean. I mean, uh, addiction is something that has been plaguing our community and in the arts hard, in general. Oh, yeah. what do you, Dope, fentanyl is taking people out. What's, yeah. what's, what's, uh, I mean, speaking, there's a, there's a lot of open micers out there that I will go to some other clubs and yeah. they'll be strung out, you know what I mean? So, and so they're hard. still going up there. Yeah. What, what's your advice to those guys? What, what, what can they do? My advice is somehow you got to figure out a way 
way to stop the to stop the heroin merry-go-round. You got to get off that merry-go-round because you're you, it's not going to end good. You're going to end up in jail. You're going to be dead in an institution or homeless, and you're not going to be working as a comic. That's for sure. Not nowadays. Uh, there, there's too much trouble with uh, just financial reasons, insurance. Um, uh, you know, I, I'm one of those people when I see guys, especially younger guys, going through that because I went through it. I want to save everybody. I, I'd love to help them all, but. The only thing, you have to eventually take responsibility for yourself. I have kind of a controversial outlook on, you know, everybody suing companies that make painkillers. Um, hmm. Look, there's a lot of scumbags in those situations, and yeah. they market stuff in bad ways. But they also don't, you know, those drugs are around for a reason. They let elderly people in a lot of pain, or if you have cancer at any age, they let people die with dignity. You're not in pain. You're not screaming. There's a reason we have these drugs. They don't tell you to take 100 Percocet a day. Sure. Yeah. If I buy a bat from Louisville Slugger and I hit myself in the head with the bat, can I sue them because they didn't tell me not to hit myself in the head with the bat? Yeah. You know, when you buy Oxys or Perks or something like that, you you have to take it as prescribed. If you don't, at some point, you have to take some responsibility for yourself. So these kids just got to get strong. To me, you got to be uniquely tough and let the world know you were here, man, and say, look, I beat this. You can beat it. You can get off of the canvas and do it. You got to try as hard to overcome that because especially nowadays, nothing will go forward in your life unless you get rid of it. There's rehab, there's abstinence, there's AA, there's NA, there's getting arrested, there's consequences, there's money, uh, you know, uh, consequences. Uh, the first time you're faced with maybe having to blow a guy to get heroin, that's problems. Uh, you know, uh, uh, I'm sure that would uh, change me. Uh, <laughs> I always had money when I had heroin. And no, one asked, no one ever asked me to blow them for heroin, but uh, I don't know. Uh, heroin's strong. Uh, I'm just saying. You, 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 have to, you have to figure out what is your bottom. Your bottom might be death. Try to stop, guys, yeah. as hard as you can before that bottom comes. What's the difference? Just know I'm rooting for you. A guy like me is rooting for you, man. What's the difference between already on drugs on stage and clean Artie doing stand-up? About two and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> I can do my act on cocaine in two minutes. <laughs> Hi, it's good to be here. Good night. <laughs> so, no, coherence. Sure, right, sure. Yeah. I will say this. Uh, on a personal note, uh, I, had a, I had a car accident a couple weeks ago, and I've been, I've been, I've been clean for 15 days now. Wow. Yeah, so okay. I've been... I've been haven't been drinking. Okay. Uh, I lay off the blow. Uh, I mean, in, you. In, in our business, it's, it's, it's apparent. You know what yeah. I mean? I mean, thankfully, when I was in the car accident, it didn't happen. But it, a lot of things came with perspective. And Kevin and I talked a little bit of this, uh, you know, in the yeah. in, uh, in, in beginning of the episode. But uh, there's definitely a clarity that I have now. Oh, yeah. Um, and Believe me, I don't care what you think. There's old thing Keith Richards, Hendrix, they always say, oh, I'm better. I'm better fucked up. I'm more creative on her. You know, George Carlin used to think that. I guarantee you, my, from Miles Davis to Charlie Parker to Carlin to us sitting at this table, no mm. one is better on all those drugs. Sure. No one. Mm. You're better when you're straight. Absolutely. So you, you, you fall down nine, get up ten. Yep. All right? Yep. What's next for Artie Lang? Uh, happiness, I hope. Because even when I, even when I, uh, that's my only goal right now. The other stuff will come. There's ways to make money. Uh, you know, I have a lot of support, great friends. The work will come. Uh, ha whatever happiness is, that's what I'm trying to get to. Because why else are you on earth? Yep. You know, yeah. Yeah, it, uh, it it should be about uh, about the quality of life at this point. At 52, I am so uh, you know God spared me, man. I should be dead a million times over. So yeah. uh, uh, I just want to try to get that moment of contentment before I take my last breath, whatever sure. that is. You know. Sure, sure, sure. 
Kev, we always kind of uh, close with a, a question uh, on, on this on this episode because we're really just talking to like up and coming comics people that just got hit milestones. Yeah, 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 Obviously, yeah. you hit a great milestone. Uh, you're hitting milestones uh, every single day. Uh, but we always ask, uh, you know, what what's what's the future hold? Like, what is your next goal? Kind and of what, what is success? For yeah, you? what is success? Uh, success for me again? Some sort of happiness. Uh, uh, to somehow get an of-age girlfriend. That's uh, <laughs> hard. No. <laughs> no. You have no. no idea. For years I've been listening to you and to have you right in front of you, my friend, is so fucking That's cool. No, you know what I want to do? I want to I want to somehow I want to somehow continue through my work somehow, if I can. And look, I can't guarantee you I'm gonna be clean the rest of my life. Just that one day at a time thing. If I could somehow through my work leave a legacy of also I help some people out from keep getting up off the canvas. I love, that would be success to me. I have success in my work and through that work, maybe help a few people. Unbelievable. That would be great. Hmm. Artie Lang on the fucking podcast today. <laughs> great, uh, great stories. Artie, uh, where can everybody find you on social media? Uh, if you're not fucking following already, you well, know Well, you know, with, uh, my, my Twitter and all that stuff, Artie Quitter, one word, ArtieQuitter.com. Uh, if you Google Artie Lang, you see all the shit. Yeah. You know? And uh, Where we got I, some I, dates coming up here? I got a lot of dates coming up. I'll be at... Uh, the Stress Factory in Bridgeport, Connecticut this weekend. Um, I'll be at, uh, in Providence, Rhode Island in a couple of weeks. Uh, Count Basie Theater in January. New Year's Eve, I'm working. Uh, Shit, yeah. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be all over. And my own podcast starts in two weeks. It's called Artie Lang's Halfway House. That's great. And uh, who's on the podcast? Mike is on. Mike Boschetti. Yeah, Mike's going to be downstairs <laughs> the, tonight. The great well. Mike Boschetti. <laughs> the great Mike Boschetti. Yeah. I mean, I remember the direct TV fucking right. show. You <laughs> there balls. is no, no one funnier. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Artie Lang. Artie, so good to see you. Thanks, and God. Good luck with everything guys thank you so much guys guys we'll catch you next time on past the podcast <laughs>